This episode of Literary Treks is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your desktop or mobile device. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Trek FM. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. these books i thought i'd take some light reading in case i got bored well welcome everyone to another episode of literary treks our dedicated books and comic show and with me as he is always is dan gunther dan how are you doing uh at this moment melting but other than that quite well <laughs> oh kind of like the wicked witch of the west well i mean i wouldn't want to draw those comparisons necessarily but <laughs> uh yeah no kind of like that <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you threw some water on you, we're just not sure what's going to happen. So, <laughs> well, I got to say, it's it's been a big week for, um, I feel like, Star Trek things. I mean, we had uh, Sacraments of Fire come out, the new Deep Space Nine book. We had a brand new New Frontier novel uh, and a short story that we are going to be talking about today as well as two new comics, and goodness. So I, I feel like if you are a Star Trek lit fan, huge week here for you. And um, we're going to start off the news, and we're going to go through these uh, new comics together. And, and first, we'll start off with New Visions number 7. And, well, we have an old friend showing up in this uh, New Visions number 7, and his name is... Gary Seven. Appropriate That's for right. issue seven, for sure. <laughs> yeah, well done, writers. Well done. Very <laughs> shocking. Um, does that mean he's going to show up in every iteration of seven? So like a, a 14 number issue, 14 uh, yeah, he'll be yeah. on, and then 21, and so on and so forth? Definitely. And then, you know, <laughs> issue 49, I mean, seven squared, that's got to be pretty huge. Well, uh, I thought with one of the most interesting things, obviously, they couldn't use uh, Roberta's likeness, mm -hmm. and so they conveniently have her away, uh, and therefore Gary Seven is, is there uh, with uh, his cat, and uh, this is a really interesting story, the way that they weave all of this together. I mean, we get the Guardian of Forever, and we get... Um, Kirk saving the day with Gary Seven in the past, time travel, new aliens. I mean, this issue is just chock full of, like, Star Trek goodness. Yeah, definitely. Uh, really tying together a lot of uh, interesting corners of Star Trek. And also, apparently, the Federation was at war with an alien race we've never heard of. So, lots of old stuff and new stuff in this one. That happens all the time. It's a big galaxy. <laughs> I mean, you know... Uh, there's little skirmishes all. In fact, 
We're about to talk about uh, New Frontier, and there's a ton of stuff that apparently happens in the Star Trek universe that I've never heard of. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and big events, too, involving races being destroyed and all sorts of things, but uh, I never hear about that on the Enterprise. No, they, they never seem to bring that up. It's uh, It's kind of in its own little pocket universe there itself, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was about to say that. I think that's what happens when you're locked in your Percy Jackson pocket universe. <laughs> uh, what did you end up thinking about uh, New Visions number seven? And, uh, well, obviously we have Gary Seven back. Well, I, I actually really enjoyed this one. Uh, it's a fun little adventure. I've, I've always been a huge fan of Assignment Earth. So, you know, having Gary Seven back is always great. Uh, you know, and mixing that with the, the Guardian of Forever and... Um, you know, some pretty cool little Star Trek tie-ins made for, you know, a nice little story that I definitely enjoyed. Uh, I feel like the art's getting better, uh, although there seem to be fewer kind of outlandish locales in this one, so that might be part of uh, why that why it seems to be getting a bit better in that respect. Yeah, um, I mean, this one does seem to involve a lot of backlot sets that we kind of saw in uh you know the original series although when they're in nevada in this ghost town and they're clambering over the roofs it all of a sudden starts to look a little bit like italy (laughs) um with all you know the the clay roofs they're running over it it doesn't quite feel like nevada anymore at that point um Mm -hmm. so i was wondering where he was pulling for them the the uh the art from and then the new aliens i do have to say um Kind of atrocious. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm wondering if maybe in uh, in Nevada they were actually in some kind of failed Las Vegas casino that was modeled after Little Italy or something like that. There you go. That makes sense. I like that. Um, but yeah, this is it is a really fun story. Um, you know, I enjoy Assignment Worth as well. It's a fun episode of the original series, and then plus I I enjoyed the comics that they had with Gary Seven and Roberta Lincoln that they did and so yeah i think this is a fantastic story it's definitely worth checking out um and uh they do this fun thing where because they do the time travel the main story is about what happened to kirk and then the kind of secondary story is is what happened to the enterprise mm-hmm. and i i really liked that i thought that was fun and so yeah it was kind of a nice little surprise at the end there yeah, yeah, I wasn't expecting to see that, but kind of showing from both sides what had happened and what they experienced, I, I really enjoyed that um, because the, the time travel part was really interesting. And these aliens, weird aliens, apparently they don't like female crew members uh, on the Enterprise. They only like male characters, so they're very chauvinistic. Um, and, and they're apparently now allies, even though they were <laughs> at war once with the Federation, um, but I'm surprised they're allying with the Federation or at least that the Federation wants to ally them with that kind of chauvinistic attitude. Yeah, that kind of, I don't know, that seems par for the course for the Federation. I always think that immediately after the Cardassian War ended, you know, Troy is on the bridge of the Enterprise-D saying, oh, there are allies now, Worf. Really? You just ended a war. Like, does that make you allies? I don't know. But, uh, and the yeah, the kind of chauvinistic thing, I guess it was just thrown in there to make us not like them more than we already did or something i it kind of i kind of expected it to come into play at some point in the story and it never really did so that seemed a little odd to me mission accomplished (laughs) (laughs) 
But yeah, all in all, I, I you know, this is, I think it's a strong issue. It's a fun issue. I think people will enjoy it, you know, um, for the most part. There isn't a ton of the crazy artwork, and it's just another clever story, you know, and it, again, it feels very much like a good uh, and enjoyable TOS episode, so worth anyone checking out i think definitely and also a little uh, shout out in in the comic to uh where i live alberta canada apparently it's where alien chips go to die so that was pretty cool it's good to know <laughs> in case i'm ever crash landing in an alien vessel i'll know exactly where to land is alberta canada perfect i'll try not to hit your house <laughs> you know i have a town in alberta actually called vulcan so you know if you really want to go that for the, is true the trick. that is true vulcan ale i've had it it's oh excellent. nice i actually haven't yet well the next uh comic that we have that we are starting the star trek green lantern crossover which uh you know was i think we've talked about we weren't sure what to expect you are not really familiar with Green Lantern all that much and the Spectrum War is is what they're calling this crossover and I do have to say you know we talked about at length you know when we looked at the Trex Ape crossover and just how it just didn't feel like it worked and I, I think for me because we're talking about a comic like Green Lantern a spacey type comic where Green Lantern is frequently in space doing very strange things. Uh, this one just kind of already makes more sense uh, to do a crossover with. And so I'm wondering for you, Dan, somebody who's not familiar with Green Lantern at all, how did this play for you? Uh, well, I got to say, um, you know, I I have absolutely like less than zero exposure to the to Green Lantern. So I don't know anything about uh, him or the story at all. Uh, but it was an interesting setup. Uh, I, I'm fascinated. I kind of want to find out more about the Green Lantern uh, after having read this. So, you know, I think it it's, you know, the, that's one thing these crossovers seem designed to do is bring fans from both uh, both franchises that they're set in together to, you know, kind of experience the other and uh yeah in this case it definitely made me interested i want to learn more well and i like the i mean the way the story starts um there it starts on the green lantern planet the main planet and one of the guardians is being uh told that that it's the final destruction for all the green lanterns and he transports himself to another universe another space and time with these rings with him and Kirk and Spock of the JJ universe run across a rogue planet and they find this dead alien with these rings and then all hell breaks loose because a Klingon named Chang uh-huh yeah <laughs> General Chang shows up that's right it's a little familiar definitely yeah with the eye patch and everything <laughs> and they're about to, you know, they're they're losing shields, and all of a sudden these rings start choosing people to wear them. Chang is one of them with the yellow ring, and then a few different people on the Enterprise game rings. All of them senior officers, I'll note. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to choose somebody, it's <laughs> going to be a senior officer. But strangely enough, it's not Kirk that gets chosen. It's Chekhov, Uhura, and Dr. McCoy 
along with Chang being chosen. And then, of course, uh, Hal Jordan. At least I think it's going to be Hal Jordan. He just, he doesn't even really introduce himself, but he looks like the Hal Jordan Green Lantern, and it's the one a lot of people know. So uh, he is protecting the Enterprise with uh, his... Uh, Green Lantern ring, and that's where we leave the story. So I, just, I love the setup here. I think it's a lot of fun, and and they could go in a million different directions with it. So I hope that this will continue to be strong. And like you, even though I know some things about Green Lantern, I'm really piqued my interest here uh, in this story, and it just seems like it's a good fit for a crossover. Definitely, and yeah, with a strong setup like this, uh, I. You know, I. it looks like this story could go some really interesting places. So, yeah, I'm definitely eager to learn more about this universe and kind of follow along with this story. Well, Dan, I know that there are so many fans right now that are just kind of been rejoicing all week because New Frontier is back. Now, if you're a longtime listener of this show, you will know that I have actually never read a New Frontier story until now um, I just never got the chance to uh, when it came out it was one of those things uh, you know with so many books that came out back in the day you just missed things and this was one of the things that I kind of missed and then it became a very long series and so the returned is a three-part series picking up from blind man's bluff and they're really picking up the story straight from that I I, I did a lot of reading and some background history to kind of figure some things out. And so I was very interested to see that. And I know, especially with the way that story ended, I can understand why New Frontier fans would want some kind of resolution because it was kind of a cliffhanger. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, we have melting admirals and entire planets being wiped out that, you know, one of the main characters is from. It was a pretty dark place to leave the story. And if that had been the end of New Frontier, uh, you know, I know I would have been extremely disappointed. And uh, until this, this, three book ebook series was announced I kind of thought that might be where they left it and man am I ever glad they didn't I wanted to ask you because you're familiar um, do you feel like that maybe this three-part story is working towards maybe a resolution for all these characters so they could have a better ending and then maybe never pick it up again if they you know they didn't decide to well, interestingly enough, uh, Peter David, the author, recently had a blog post and he talked about uh, that very question, people asking, is this the end of New Frontier? And his answer basically was, it's kind of up to you because, you know, if this three-part story sells well, he's more than happy to write more. And that's kind of the only way he will be invited to write more is if this sells really well. But with that answer, I also kind of wonder if maybe he has written it, that it could be the end if uh, if he so chose or, or if, you know, this didn't sell well enough to warrant writing more. Either way, I personally hope we get more New Frontier because I really enjoy this series. Uh, I've read it ever since it first came out way back in the day, uh, followed it right from the beginning read all the crossover issues when they did the Gateways series and uh, the Double Helix series and all that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, I'm invested. I love this crew. I love uh, 
I love these adventures and I really want to see more. So, you know, go buy this story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was an interesting experience to dive into New Frontier here at uh, what could be the end. And I, I do feel like I, I spent a lot of time on memory beta trying to figure out who characters were. But at the same time, what was really interesting is that, and we hear the trick off of their say, you know, I, I try to craft this book as, as if anybody coming in who'd never read uh, was able to just kind of jump in and really uh, enjoy the story, even if they'd never picked up that series before. And... On a whole, I, I feel like Peter David did a pretty decent job of giving you enough in the story to kind of explain who the characters were. And I do have to say that, you know, the storyline itself, it moves at like a comic speed pace. So you're able to almost, I feel like I was able to fill in a lot of what was going on just because I kind of recognized the, the things from other places you know other story ideas you know so okay so i can kind of tell what's going on with this character because uh, it's fitting into this archetype and and so yeah i think the whole thing was written well enough that if you're like me you've never read new frontier um you know with a little bit of help for memory beta it really wasn't that hard to understand and I'm, i'm sure obviously if you're an aficionado like yourself you know, this is probably paying off in spades. Yeah, I do have to say I was really curious what your experience was like, because even as, uh, you know, an ardent reader of New Frontier, I found myself having to go back to Memory Beta a few times just to remind me of what had come before. Uh, and I mean, it's been quite a while since Blind Man's Bluff came out, and I wasn't incredibly impressed with that story. So I, I actually found myself kind of struggling to recall what had happened quite a few times and that kind of thing. So, you know, I really wonder what it would have been like before we had things like memory beta uh, to try and jump into a series like this. And, you know, I worry it would have been very difficult for sure. So I'm really glad we have these resources to be able to consult, you know, experienced readers and newcomers alike for sure. Well, and it it is an interesting series. I like the way that you put it here, that it's popcorn trek. You know, it feels like an action-adventure movie for the summer with Star Trek as its wrappings. But, like, everything inside is... It's it's so reminiscent of, of comics and mythology, and it's, like, it's all crammed in in one place, especially this story, I felt like. Mm-hmm. It was almost like a Star Wars, Percy Jackson series with some Star Trek flavoring. I mean, it, and dash of comics here and there, you know, it just, it, it has its own feel as we talked about. It really does kind of feel like the pocket universe of the 24th century mm-hmm. where they're almost in their own little JJ type universe. I mean, and in fact, this feels like the JJ verse before the JJ verse <laughs> because it's fast and loose with the rules and the characters are so much more volatile. I mean, Calhoun, to me, feels like Cisco on steroids. I mean, <laughs> just the the guy who will break the rules anytime he feels like it. You know, at least that's what I kind of picked up from this 
very first book that I've read. Mm-hmm. Well, you're definitely not wrong in that characterization. And I actually really loved in this story how uh, Shelby and Jellico both kind of used that against him a little bit, even though, I mean, you know, he's Calhoun, so he knew they were using him, but was totally okay with it. Yeah, because, I mean, he's smarter than everybody in the room. <laughs> you can't play a player. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're just playing their game. Yeah, exactly. I actually really love how you put it, that it, it felt like an action movie, because that's one thing about the new Frontier characters, is they always feel like they have that quippy one-liner action movie phrase at the ready. And I mean, some characters more so than others, but every character seems to get a moment like, uh, you know, snapping off the perfect rejoinder to something the guy they're talking to has just said. And it's you know, one after another. <laughs> it was interesting um, because that does happen. And I noticed that, that the dialogue feels, uh, again, it feels like Star Wars instead of Star Trek. You know, Star Trek has that kind of uh, theater-esque um, Shakespearean feel to it in a lot of ways. And this really does. It feels more like a Chris Pratt movie, you know, <laughs> where everybody is kind of smart assy. And knows exactly what to say at the right time, you know. And so uh, it has, it's all, it definitely has its own identity. And I feel like what's really interesting is that the new frontier in a lot of ways, um, it doesn't, it doesn't fit with the rest of what we're doing in the 24th century. It really is its own thing. When I joked earlier in the news segment where, you know, you never hear about what happened on New Frontier and the Enterprise. It, it almost feels like because they're own, in their own little pocket universe, they might kind of reference other people every once in a while, I'm sure. But in the end, like, it feels like um, they're in their own little corner of the universe, and it's very far away from anything resembling what we've seen in Star Trek. I mean, it feels like Deep Space Nine, but even further out on the edge of the, the final frontier. I mean, mm-hmm. they're in the final frontier, it feels like. Yeah. It's it's interesting because when it first started, it it didn't really feel like that so much. It felt like a more kind of traditional Star Trek story. And, you know, as the books continued and as the years went by, they kind of seemed, or Peter David seemed to kind of be adding you know, just a little, a few more elements that made it just a little weirder and a little more out there. And I mean, you know, back during the Gateways miniseries, you had Calhoun and the Excalibur doing their thing alongside, you know, Cisco and and Picard. You know, they all went to the same briefing at Starfleet and, and got their assignments. But I have a hard time seeing that happen now with how far this series has kind of gone from the rest of them. And, uh, I almost liken it to, uh, you know, that old story of the frog in the pot of boiling water, and he just sits there and doesn't realize the water's getting hotter and eventually supposedly dies. Uh, Reading New Frontier, you kind of, year after year, reading these books, and it gets more and more ridiculous and more and more out there, but you don't really realize how crazy it is until, you know, it gets to the point we have Greek gods running around and, and... you know, everybody doing these rejoinders and, you know, a Romulan spy on the bridge. And it's just, yeah, it's pretty crazy, but I still enjoy the heck out of it. (laughs) Well, and that is something that I think um, that is really nice to see is that it does feel different. And and I think 
Um, in a lot of ways, you know, the Trek series, there's been so much of it working together recently that it's all felt like too much of a melting pot. And, and what's nice is that, you know, at least Voyager is back in the Delta Quadrant now in that series. So you're you're feeling more like it's its own thing. Um, you know, hopefully Titan is going to get back out there and be its own thing again. Uh, the Enterprise is boldly going, doing next generation-y type things. And um, as we're getting back into Deep Space Nine, let's hope that Deep Space Nine starts to feel more like Deep Space Nine with some freaking Cisco around <laughs> and stuff like that. So who knows where all that's going to go. So I, it's nice to kind of see these different series start to have their own feeling again. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that I was enjoying about the New Frontier book is my first one is just it did it had its own identity and it wasn't afraid to have its own identity it didn't make any apologies for having that crazy outlandish feel and you know if you don't like that that's fine but plenty of people do and and I was just glad and 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 I guess in some ways enjoying reading a quote-unquote Star Trek story that just didn't always feel Star Trek-y in some ways like Mm -hmm it felt like its own deal on that school. Yeah. And another thing about New Frontier that I think is really great is, you know, we talk a lot about the Deep Space Nine relaunch kind of setting the stage for the books we have now, taking stories in unexpected directions and being able to play with characters uh, in ways that they hadn't before. But, you know, even before that, New Frontier was kind of really the first series that was given over to an author to kind of do with as he wanted, you know, up to a certain point. And I remember when the first kind of four small short books came out for New Frontier, uh, it it really seemed like kind of a bold experiment. You know, it, it was the first book to have a, a, a banner title on it that wasn't Star Trek or Star Trek The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, or Voyager at the time. It was totally different and nothing like it had come out before. And I seem to remember those books even had to have something in the corner that said from the universe of Star Trek The Next Generation because, you know, oh, it couldn't just have its own title. You know, it had to be something that linked to something that was quote-unquote real in the Star Trek universe. So I feel like it... Well, I mean... Picard and Spock were on the very first cover of the very first book. Exactly, so, I yeah. mean, if you're trying to sell something, I guess that's the way you do it. <laughs> well, what was it uh, Dayton Ward said? You know, put Patrick Stewart on the cover, you sell a book, right? <laughs> that, yeah, that's true. <laughs> totally. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, I really think that those early books were the forerunner for a lot of the original Star Trek series we get nowadays i honestly think without new frontier we wouldn't have gotten vanguard or seekers or uh department of temporal investigations or any of these kind of out uh, outlier series that we that we've never had before well and and that's that is a really nice thing to see you know the fact that you wanted to create a new crew and and i was reading some background information that they did specifically take characters that had been in other shows that were background characters like shelby or salar who's already dead at this point which i was really pissed off about we'll (laughs) talk about that another time um leffler all of these kind of characters that you'd seen before and so they had been on screen and therefore you could 
connect with them immediately and then you add all the new characters in that you create in, in 97 there with Calhoun and the rest and it gives you a nice basis and it's honestly the same thing they took the same formula you used with Deep Space Nine you took a few characters you, uh, you, you know you're familiar with um, the Cardassians the Bajorans and O'Brien and then you put all these other characters with them and you create a new series so mm. um, yeah and it and I think you know obviously people have loved this series and so it's it's worked for a lot of people mm -hmm. and you know interestingly enough a lot of the original characters that they created and and actually some they actually took from uh starfleet academy young adult novels uh soletta and i think zach kebron were all um in you know early young adult starfleet academy novels and a lot of those characters have really become my favorites in this series uh Mark McHenry, for example, who kind of comes back in this one. I love that character. And they've really kind of taken him in a totally different direction. I might be wrong, but I think he was also a carryover from the Starfleet Academy novels. And that's the thing when you have these literature-only characters. You can really take them in really wild directions that you could never take a main character. I mean, on Deep Space Nine, you know, for example, they made... Bashir genetically engineered and yeah that kind of fit in and they made it work uh Mark McHenry they turned into you know the offspring of a Greek god <laughs> you know it's not really something you can do with a canon character all that easily yeah and that's where you know the fact that he was literally a demigod and <laughs> I felt like he must have been at Camp Half-Blood with Percy Jackson somewhere uh, looking for the lightning thief. Um, yeah, it was, that's where I was like, okay, you just either go with it or you don't. And uh, I love the fact that they at least call out that he is literally deus ex machina <laughs> in the flesh. I love um, that line. Be yeah, because the other thing that he does, we don't even know what his powers are. Nobody knows what his powers are. So... We're very much left with this. Uh, this character could do anything at any time and a lot like a comic book where you have an all-powerful type character like like, like a Superman. You just kind of got to go with mm -hmm. it. And, uh, you know, uh, New Frontier really asks that of you, um, that comic book type mentality. Just go with it. Exactly. I think that should be the, the catchphrase for New, Fron New Frontier, you know. Star Trek New Frontier. Just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, I know for you, you have been waiting for this series to, to kind of reestablish itself for a long time. You know, um, what do you think about the fact that it is in three parts instead of just one, like, say, book coming out or ebook? And the fact that you really are just left with, we entered a new pocket universe and scene. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, you know, if this were just published as a regular novel, as, you know, I think it might have originally been planned to be because there was kind of a listing for a trade paperback for a little while on Amazon, and then that disappeared, and then we got the three ebooks. So I kind of wonder if they, you know, took that book and chopped it into three parts. And, you know, if it were just a normal book, that would just be, you know, the end of a chapter and make you want to read, you know, quote unquote, one more chapter before I go to bed. But the fact that they made it the end of part one, you know, 
that's just cruel. I mean, what a cliffhanger to leave you on. I mean, you know, it's kind of a cheap ending. It's it's goes for the the cheap thrill a little bit, but it's still effective because I really, really, really want nothing more than to just read the next part of this story right now. Well, and it's really interesting because, you know, this book here, as you said, it was going to, to at least possibly have been a trade paperback and the last two New Frontier novels had been in trade paperback. And I'm wondering just if the cost you know, they decided, okay, really the best way to bring this back, if we're, if we're going to um, kind of test the waters again, what we're going to do is we're going to release this in an ebook. And it really, uh, the production costs of the book are obviously a lot cheaper because they're not printing any books. You're just releasing them digitally. So I'm wondering if that's part of the idea behind it. And, you know, and then if they do well, they'll be like, David, come back and write another one, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I certainly hope that's the case. Um, You know, the marketing people at Pocket, you know, they know what they're doing. So, you know, I assume there is a good reason for releasing this as an ebook. And, you know, so many uh, Star Trek readers are, have moved over to ebook these days. So it makes a lot of sense to, you know, cut costs where you can. And if it means that we get this story where we might not have gotten it before, I'm down for it. So... You know, it's it's really great that we did get this next chapter. Well, for you, having read this one, where are you kind of hoping, and especially if this is the last, you know, run that we get with New Frontier, where would you kind of like to see this end up with this is the beginning? Well, Matthew, that's that's a tough question because, you know, I've really enjoyed these characters for a long time, so... You know, I'm kind of torn between something that nicely ties up, you know, the loose ends and and puts a nice bow on the story. Uh, I'm kind of torn between that and imagining that they're still out there kind of doing their thing. So, you know, if you leave an open-ended ending to this story, you know, maybe it could be like the end of Stargate SG-1 or the end of The Next Generation, where they just kind of are going off again to keep doing what they're doing. Uh, You know, obviously I want a happy ending, hopefully for Calhoun and Shelby, because I really like those two characters. Um, You know, a lot of the personal journeys of these characters, I've invested a lot of time. So, you know, I would like to see them end up in a good place more than anything else. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. You know, it, I'm watching through, Friday Night Lights with my wife right now and and kind of feeling we're in the last season and and that's how I feel with those characters you know they know it they knew it was going to be their last season and you know anytime a show does know that that's the case most of the time I feel like they have a better opportunity to kind of write towards the end and so you know for all those new frontier fans out there I'm I'm with you I hope that for you guys that if this does end up being the last thing that David is able to craft something that he's happy with and that fans would be happy with. But at the same time, um, I'm sure he's probably leaving himself some cracked doors for other pocket universes he can (laughs) kind of slide the characters into if he gets the opportunity. Yeah, I definitely hope so. Because, uh, you know, I I, I think most people don't ever want the things they love to end. You know, I, I know it's not going to go on forever, but 
I would be perfectly happy to imagine that New Frontier would just keep putting out a new story every year uh, for as long as I'm able to read them. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's probably not going to happen. But hopefully it doesn't end for some time to come. Well, last question that I wanted to kind of get to, um, and I wanted to ask you, because this is the first time we've talked about New Frontier here on Literary Treks. For all the people who are like me have never read New Frontier, tell them why you think that they should give New Frontier books a chance. When they're thinking about, okay, um, I've got all these different Star Trek books to read, why should they you know, take the time to read through the different New Frontier books that are out there? I've always enjoyed kind of the originality of New Frontier, I would say, is the biggest draw for me. Uh, it's not afraid to go places that a lot of other Star Trek stories don't go. And I do have to admit, years ago, that meant something more when New Frontier was running and the other stories were all kind of the put the toys back on the shelf when you're done playing with them type books. Now we have a lot more of that in the other books as well. But even beyond that, New Frontier just kind of isn't afraid to do something totally different with its characters. And I feel like some of the best original storytelling has come out of that series. Uh, there are a lot of cases where, you know, even though The Next Generation or Deep Space Nine is more open-ended and more able to use their characters in new and unexpected ways, they still hold back just a little bit because they're trying to maintain the exact same feel that those series had when they were on television. New Frontier was kind of allowed to chart its own course. And so it has created its own feeling and its own identity outside of the other Star Trek series. And to me, that's my favorite part of the story. And I think it brings something really interesting and unique to the Star Trek universe. So for you, do you feel like um, in some ways that kind of uh, set the stage for um you know, a series like, uh, in, in fact, it sounds like to me in, in a lot of ways, this is the original Vanguard, mm -hmm. um, you know, being able to really chart its own course and do its own thing without having to worry about the greater ramifications uh, of what's going on in the other series. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think this series definitely paved the way for all of those other series. And, you know, without it, we wouldn't have gotten those, those series like Vanguard and Seekers. So, uh, yeah, New Frontier is kind of the the original unique Star Trek series. <laughs> well, Dan, I that was so much fun getting to talk about New Frontier, and and especially from someone like you who really does love this series and has been with it all the way. And and I'm glad that we were kind of in this place because I feel like there's probably a lot of listeners who are like me who haven't read it. There's a lot of listeners on the other side who are like you that have. And kind of giving both perspectives, and I, I loved your your um, and somewhat your your plea for you know go read New Frontier. It, it's worth it. You know, go back and and find those books and enjoy that series in the same way that I know so many listeners um, through Literary Treks have gone back and read the Vanguard series and really loved it. If they've talked about it on the Babel Conference, so it sounds like to me if you like Vanguard that New Frontier is a great series and you're not having to worry about everything being interconnected with everything else as much. So um, I hope that, that people will go out and, and support uh, the, the New Frontier series from now on. Uh, they've heard their show. And then, of course, um, you know, 
and definitely helps out Peter David as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, you know, like he said, you know, buy this story if you want to see more New Frontier. So all those fans out there that already love New Frontier, you know, make sure you get this story and, and you know, let's show pocketbooks that, you know, we like our New Frontier and we want it to continue. Well, it has been so much fun getting to talk about New Frontier today, but it's it's not the only thing that we have been talking about here on Track FM this past week. And so here, take a quick look at some of the other things you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. You know, watching it live to three months after the series ends to watch the Mirror Universe episodes. You're like, you're but, like, uh, whoa, man, I heard season three got dark, but this is crazy. <laughs> it got darkly. <laughs> oh. Earl Grey. We divide the ship into one of two ways. Port goes to port. <laughs> I better not see any starboard guys on the starboard phaser target practice. You guys know which side of the ship you're on. The orb. And so they cannot impart to him the knowledge that he needs in order to raise his son. And Worf doesn't want to raise a human son. Like you said earlier, he didn't get the son that he wanted. He wants to raise a Klingon son. The ready room. We knew that Spock was popular. and We knew that Dad had some fans, but we were not prepared for what we saw happening in the social media, in the print media. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the New York Times reported that they got more hits on Dad's obituary than any other person personality in the history of the paper to the journey you're not a member of our race or a member of our culture so we're gonna say no hmm that's kind of boring and yet i don't know what else to do oh screw you <laughs> sorry buddy warp five i remember watching broken bow when enterprise first debuted when i was in high school and we're revisiting it now in full and i had forgotten the fact that future guy had actually played an integral role from the get-go with Silic and the Sulaban, which we'll talk about later in the show. Commentary, Trek stars. It's all of these top-notch filmmakers, like people like Walter Murch, who literally wrote the book on editing. He, like those guys all teaming up to make a big action kids movie, I think is really cool. The 602 Club. I think he's very much recreating that THX feel and... You may di you may disagree with it. You may not think it's you know it's great, but it's on purpose. He, he wants that world to be that way. Let me just say, conceptually, I agree with that. In terms of execution, that's where I think he failed. Literary treks. It's amazing to me as I reread these stories how much of it I just kind of think of as Deep Space Nine these days, even though it wasn't part of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> you know the the actual series. Axonar the official podcast. It is the spirit of TOS that matters that's being captured, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the aesthetic. The aesthetic was 1966 to 1969 that had its moment, it had its time, and there's a certain amount of charm still to that, but it doesn't allow you to push the narrative forward because that type of aesthetic holds creativity back, in my opinion. Women at Warp. So she definitely knows cats. I say that right off the bat. She knows cats and bones. Yes, definitely. Of course bones would get annoyed with all the cat fur. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and find out what we've been talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe 
and beyond. And you know where wherever you get your podcasts. If you are an Apple user, there's a few things that you can do and only you can do to really help this network and really help it grow in a, in a way that is it's just astounding. We are a feature provider on iTunes, as many of you might know, but you might, but a lot of you might also not beware. And one of the ways that you can really help us continue to grow in the iTunes rankings is by giving us a star rating and review for the show. And you know Literary Tracks. It's five stars. I mean, let's just be honest. But at the same time, subscribing to the show really helps as well. And it just helps other people be able to find the show when they're searching for podcasts in iTunes. We show up higher than other shows. So that's what those, when we ask you for the star ratings or reviews or to hit the subscribe button, that's what it does. When people look at podcasts, they'll see our show before other shows. So that's how you can really make this network grow. And of course, if you're not on Apple, we're on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone. You can grab the RSS link from the website as well as download the MP3 file. And all of those other places, they have great ways for you to be able to share the content and rate the content as well. Another important thing is we are a listener-supported network. Um, the production of the shows, the cost of the shows, putting all this out to you, as we kind of talked about last week, it, it's expensive, and it's something that we love doing, but we can't do it without you. And if you visit patreon.com, you can become a patron of the network and help us bring these great shows to you every single week. Um, we have different milestone contributions um, that we have goals we're trying to reach. We have some great perks for you. We've just gotten off the ground with Will Win, the patron roundtables. Um, we've got exclusive content, producer credits, seats on the content development team, early access to content. We've got so much out there for you to try and give back to you. Uh, we really appreciate all the support, and we do hope that you'll join our team. Just go to patreon.com slash trekfm and check out all the details. If you'd like to contact us, we'd love to hear from you about the books that you like, maybe your experience with the New Frontier series. Go to trek.fm slash contact. You could leave us a voicemail on the sidebar on the show page, or you can go to speakpike.com. On Twitter, at trek.fm, you can share our shows with everyone. Will we tweet out literary tracks or any of their shows here on the network? You can retweet that, let people know um, by your retweet, hey, you need to check out trek fm and their shows same thing with facebook at facebook.com slash trek fm join in the conversation on the babel conference uh, it's the best place to have a conversation type babel into the search field on facebook go to the website at trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar and if you'd like to know more about what's upcoming for this show what we have read um, and like that all in one easy place the best place to go is the goodreads our goodreads group there on Goodreads, strangely enough, and just type in literary tracks or look in the groups and look for literary tracks. You'll find us. We're talking about uh, books there and the threads is uh, some great conversations about the books and the comics and other things going on. A great place to check us out. I'd like to thank our associate producers, Will Wynn and Ken Tripp. Those guys are amazing. I appreciate their support. They've been with us for so long, and they're the ones through Patreon who really do help literary tracks come to you each week. Now, Dan, when you're not flying around with Mark McHenry in space because, well, who needs air when you have a Greek god to hold on to? 
Uh, where can we find you? Well, Matthew, uh, you can find me online at uh, www.treklit.com, and that's my personal blog where I review Star Trek novels, uh, amazingly enough. And uh, I'm on facebook.com slash treklitreviews, and uh, on Twitter, at treklitreviews, and my personal Twitter, at kertrats, that's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. And, uh, of course, you can find me on the Babel Conference commenting on things and posting things to do with Star Trek books and Star Trek, pretty much anything, really. And <laughs> and uh, Matthew, when you're not flying around the galaxy trying to find a wormhole to a pocket universe, uh, where can we find you? I still haven't found one. I'm really disappointed. Yeah, they're, they're tricky. I, I feel a little, yeah, I feel a little bit like you too. I, I just haven't found what I'm looking for. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'll get there. Uh, you can find me, though, uh, while I'm looking, and MattRushing02 on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram at MRushing, where I'll share things about uh, the shows here on Trek FM that I do. You'll also find me doing The Orb with Christopher Jones, where we talk about Deep Space Nine exclusively. Have so much fun on that show. you got to check it out. We're going to help you love Deep Space Nine as much as we do. I'm also doing... 602 club where we talk about a new geeky topic each week that doesn't have anything to do with star trek we look at classics we look at new things coming out and really honestly it's a great way to be able to find maybe something that you'd never thought about checking out before um, through the host talking about it so i really encourage you to join us over at the 602 club even if you see the subject matter and you're like eh, it's not really my thing check out what we're talking about because you never know when you might find your next great geek love just by listening to the podcast. And of course, you can also find me on my own personal blog at 42lifeinbetween.wordpress.com where I do book reviews and other things like that that just kind of don't fit with everything I do on here on Trek FM. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, live long and read on. You call that light reading? To each his own, number one.